beginning a marriage series this morning, four messages, and let me begin by saying that love and respect are the cornerstones of a spirit-filled and controlled marriage. A marriage that honors Jesus Christ is built upon foundations of love and respect. If you were to line up a thousand wives in this parking lot from one end to the other, they'd all be utterly unique and beautiful in their own respects. But if you boil down what they most want in life as a wife, it's the same. It's to be cherished. Now, if you lined up a thousand husbands, they'd all be unique in their personalities and their makeups and their backgrounds and all of those things, DNA. But if you boiled it all down to those thousand husbands, they would also want just one thing, to be respected. And so I say that love and respect are the foundations of biblical marriage that honors Christ. The messages in this series will all be based on Ephesians 5, uh, 22 to 33. So in your times with the Lord in the next four weeks, I'd invite you to read and reread and read Ephesians 5, uh, 22 to 33. To begin this series, we must state the obvious. The only way to have a Holy Spirit-controlled marriage is to have a Holy Spirit-controlled wife and a Holy Spirit-controlled husband. And so let's see what God has to say to us. Marriage, the maker's way, as found in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, rather. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So this is the key text for the next four sermons. And this is what we are to see is that the spirit-filled marriage is to be made up of a spirit-filled husband and a spirit-filled wife. And to try to build a Holy Spirit-centered and filled and controlled marriage without having that spirit control in the spouses is like trying to build a bank account without money. It's It's impossible. Now, I need to define something here for us, that to be Holy Spirit controlled doesn't mean that you get more of the Holy Spirit, that you somehow have to pray that you'll be given more of the Holy Spirit than you were when you were converted. Rather, what it means to be Spirit-filled and controlled is for the Holy Spirit to get more of you, the Holy Spirit to get more of you to control in your thoughts, your words, your actions. Another way to say this is that the Holy Spirit-filled normal Christian life is not getting more gas in the tank of your car. It's getting a new driver behind the wheel. 
And so we who would aspire to having a Christ-honoring marriage must first understand that we must be controlled by the Holy Spirit and pray and encourage our mate to also be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, the overview of this four-part sermon series on marriage goes like this. Today we're going to look at what God says to wives. Next week we're going to look at what God says to husbands. On November 24th, we're going to look at God's game plan for marriage as a whole. And on December 1st, we're going to look at the lesson of marriage that God wants to teach to those who observe every marriage. What is the lesson? We're going to move in these directions. So today, we start with the wives, and the main truth of our passage and our message this morning is that Holy Spirit-controlled wives willingly obey. Now, I know that as I say that on God's behalf, based on what he has first said in his word, that there are some wives who are going to hear that and they're going to recoil. They're going to say, me, obey him? Well, please stick with me that I could expound the scriptures with you and you could see that this is God's plan for God's good reason and this is where God will command his blessing in a marriage. So again, I'm going to begin with 22 to 24 to reread these. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. It's interesting that this concept of being subject to or being submitted to is stated in these first three verses of the passage, but at the back door of the passage, it's stated again in the second part of verse 33. Let your eye go to verse 33. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So whatever this is, being subject to, submitting to, respecting, is all wrapped up together in what God wants Holy Spirit-controlled wives to be like in their respective marriages. Now, Uh, We have to understand what this phrase, be subject to, means. Uh, We see it there in verse 22, wives, be subject to your own husbands. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I need to teach it to you carefully because it's been mistaught and misunderstood in many cases. So what is God's idea of a wife being subject to her husband? I'm going to contrast a list here quite quickly. On the one hand, I'm going to say that to be subject to isn't something, and I'm going to say in contrast, in healthy marriages, wives do certain things. You ready? To be subject to isn't being less than. In healthy marriages, wives are equals with their husbands before God. To be subject to isn't being silent. In healthy marriages, Wives freely input and speak their minds under Holy Spirit control. Being subject to isn't being walked all over. In healthy marriages, wives walk together with their husbands hand in hand, teammates. Being subject to isn't being compliant in all things. No, in healthy marriages, wives disagree when disagreeing is the wisest. To be subject to isn't going mindless. No, in healthy marriages, wives are to think, at times counsel their husbands, make recommendations, 
in every major decision I can think of since I've been married to Beth. She's had input when it was time to leave a local church ministry and we considered what God would have for us next. I sought Beth's prayerful input and I listened. And that's the way it ought to be. And she understood that the decisions that we made together, I was going to answer to the Lord for them as the servant leader and servant leader of our marriage. So going back to what being subject to isn't, it isn't being a total yes woman. No, in healthy marriages, wives express their feminine perspectives that are needed, and sometimes their women's intuitions. Made a lot of uh, better decisions because I listened to Beth's perspective on it as a woman. To be subject to isn't being disrespected. Rather, in healthy marriages, wives insist on respect. And being subject to isn't being used. In healthy marriages, wives are cherished, they're served, and they are loved. So to be subject to isn't what some people think it is or demand it to be, but it's these things that I've tried to share with you. And so if you remember the thousand husbands that I imagined you'd in the parking lot to see, and I said, when you got right down to it, for each of these husbands, what they really would appreciate most is respect. And married women who are in the sound of my voice, I want you to please do something in the privacy of your own mind. Uh, by the time this sermon is over, could you please, in your own mind, identify three things for which you respect your husband's? You might want to write them down or just remember them. Because on the drive home from, from uh, Sunday school today, I hope that you can tell your husband the three things for which you respect him. Now, I realize I've been a pastor long enough that that homework assignment is very hard for some wives for a number of reasons. The years have rolled along in marriage, and for some dear wives listening to this homework assignment, they say, I can't even think of one thing for which I am respectful to my husband. I don't find him respectable in anything offhand, Pastor. Let me first of all acknowledge that's a tough situation. But let me also acknowledge that if you pray and ask the Lord, Lord, give me one sincere and genuine thing for which I can tell my husband I respect him, that God will help you to do that. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes the person who prays, and prayer changes the circumstances of the person who prays. Now, when we talk about the difficult situation of a Christian wife being married perhaps to a Christian man who is not very respectable or perhaps to an unconverted husband who's not very uh, respectable, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6 are classic God's will verses for that sad situation. It says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word, without a word, you don't need to preach to him, without a word by the behavior of their wives, 
as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, let not your adornment merely be external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, that's a little L, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And so, ladies who are married here today, I'd like you to try to think of three things that you respect your husband uh, over and share that on your way home today. And for the dear ladies that are here that find that very, very difficult assignment, you please pray and think of at least one with God's help and tell your husband that one, would you? That would mean a lot to respecting him, even if he's unrespectable. Now, something wonderful happens that's rather totally unexpected. It's a God thing when a Christian wife respects an unrespectable husband. Something marvelous and unexpected happens. God does something. When a Christian wife obeys 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, and doesn't preach at her husband, but lives a chaste and respectful life, a respect for God first and foremost, and a respect for him, even though he's unrespectable, this is what happens. It really turns up the heat on God's convicting pressure on the husband. I can think of many situations over 33 years of pastoral ministry where godly Christian wives chose to respect unrespectable Christian husbands and they didn't know what to do with it until God showed them what to do with it, which was to repent and to become the godly loving servant husband that these wives each deserved. Now, circling back to a wife respecting her husband, a husband, you know, may get respect at his work, and he may get respect from his guy friends. He may get respect from his children. He may get respect from his grandchildren. But the respect he most wants, every married man most wants respect from his wife. Probably the most important way that a married man gets that respect is when a wife, in obedience to the Lord, in love for the Lord, love for her husband and her family, chooses to submit to him. Volunteering her obedience has the most impactful respect that can be given to a husband. And when Beth volunteers her obedience to me out of love for her Savior and out of love for me, it makes me want to rise higher in my response to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be the kind of servant leader that she deserves, the kind of servant leader that is leading her in ways that honor the Lord. Now, I think we all can understand that obedience is one thing, but voluntary obedience is quite another thing. And it's the voluntary obedience which is the biggest piece in this concept of being subject to. 
And it was the Lord Jesus Christ's mindset and lifestyle and decisions, was it not, that relative to the cross, he gave his father voluntary obedience. Lord, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. Voluntary obedience. Now let's give a little bit of thought to uh, the purposes that God has in defining being subject to. And we see that being subject to is synonymous with submitting to, is synonymous with respecting. They're, They're interchangeable concepts. So I want you to imagine something that Beth and I encountered driving to the church building even this morning. An ambulance with lights flashing and siren uh, blaring in the streets of Nassau. Happens all the time, right? And these ambulances often are pushing their way down our streets, which are narrow and, as you know, clogged up with heavy stop-and-go traffic. And these ambulances have their lights flashing and their sirens blaring. And, of course, the law requires that all the cars pull over to let the ambulance through. But what happens next in this scene is crucial. The drivers are supposed to make the voluntary choice to be subject to the ambulance and the needs of the person in the ambulance and to pull over. Why is that? Because the person on the stretcher in the ambulance is better or smarter or more valuable than the drivers of the cars? No. The streets need order so that the dying patient in critical need of medical attention will get to that in time. And the good thing, thankfully, is that most drivers voluntarily pull over for the ambulance, but you've seen it as I have, that some drivers don't have that. They disobey the law, they're discourteous, they're just thinking of themselves, and they don't pull over. Now, of course, there are consequences in this illustration. The consequences come out of choices that we make as drivers. When we hear the ambulance and see the ambulance, we have a choice to either obey the law and pull over for it or to disobey the law and to block the road. And there are consequences to both decisions. By pulling over, we can help save a life. By not pulling over, we can cost someone their life. And so if you listen with me carefully and put your ear to the page of Scripture, you'll hear a siren, an ambulance siren, calling out to the wives who are in the sound of the Scriptures this morning. 22 to 24 wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Down to 33, second half. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. If you listen carefully, there is a siren sounding in the reading of those verses. Just like an ambulance siren, there is a siren being sounded to get the attention of married, uh, believing women or those who will be married someday who may be single at this time. This is God's siren to uh, wives or wives-to-be pull over. Let God shape your home. Pull over. Your marriage can be healed, helped, spared, turned around, strengthened. Pull over. God can give you and your husband faith, hope, and love. Pull over. It can be something you've never seen it to be before. Pull over. 
please pull over. Pull over. Be subject to your husband, God says. I'll bless that. Submit to your husband. I'll use that, God says. Obey your husband. I'll reward that. Choose pulling over. It's the right thing to do. Because pulling over can save a marriage and the lives of those who make up a home, your husband and your kids. Pull over. Submit. Stand under. Obey. That's the siren. Then we have a choice. So I point out again that voluntary choice to obey husband is what God expects of Christian wives. But you say, how how is that possible? Voluntarily choosing to obey one's husband. How is that even possible? It's possible given two things. If there are two things in place, it's possible. If these two things are not in place, it's impossible. If these two things are in place, it's possible to voluntarily obey your husband. Number one, it's only possible when a wife is controlled by God rather than demanding to be in control of her husband. That is to have the Holy Spirit as the new driver behind the wheel of the wife's car. The second thing that's necessary for this voluntary obeying to be possible is it's only possible when the wife connects obeying her husband with honoring her Savior. When the wife makes the biblical connection between choosing to voluntarily obey her husband as being part of the whole package of her honoring Christ in her life, then you got something. Verse 22, wives... Be subject to your own husbands. Here it is, as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Now at this point, there could be that some wives hearing this message um, have some reasonable questions. Very reasonable questions, like four of them. Let me state them not as questions. Let me state them as principles. I'll tell you what this voluntary obeying of one's husband isn't saying. It isn't saying that a wife is to view her husband as God and worship him. Not at all. Of course not. Number two, it isn't saying that a husband is better than his wife. Number three, it isn't saying that a wife is to obey her husband if he tells her to sin in any way, or if he demeans her, or if he, God forbid, abuses her. It isn't saying that the wife is is never to ask her husband to do anything which requires his obedience to her. It's not saying that either, but it is saying this. And what I'll say is to preview preview it, there's a link up here, there's a stand under and a wind up. A link up, a stand under, and a wind up. Let's start, number one, with wives should link up. What do you mean by that? Wives should link up their marriage obedience to their husband's with the whole package of their total obedience to God. When I get on the freeways in the U.S. like we were last week, you can see a transport truck that will say, you know, please report reckless driving with an 800 phone number. And then it says the speed limit for this truck line is, and maybe they say, 50 miles per hour. 
Well, the truck line that does that sets a speed limit for their drivers of um, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles, or whatever it is, but it's below the actual posted speed limit the government requires for that freeway. The idea here is that if the trucker for that trucking company keeps within his trucking company's speed limit, he's also keeping it within the government-stated speed limit. And sort of like that with Christian wives, as they um, decide as unto the Lord in the package of obeying the Lord, honoring the Lord, putting Jesus Christ first, that they're going to uh, willingly obey uh, and submit to, to stand under, to respect their husband, then good things will happen. There's a link up in the wife's mind between obeying her husband and the whole package of her total obedience and yielding and uh, worshiping of God. That's the link up. Now, there's a stand under. Wives are being told in this passage to stand under. It's translated to be subject to or to submit to. It's a Greek compound verb. It's hupo tasso. Hupo under, tasso to stand. Hupo tasso means to stand under. The Christian wife is to stand under the protection and the servant leadership of her husband because this is God's order of things. Now she is to stand under his leadership and loving care and protection and leadership in certain ways with confidence, who God has made her to be in Christ, with dignity, with peace of mind, with skill, with expertise, with inputs to her husband on many different levels. And so this standing under is a place where God gives room, God has given room, excuse me, to protect the wife who hupotassos her husband, who stands under his servant leadership. God can protect that woman and will, and God can correct that husband. I once asked a lady, married lady, so do you mind standing under your husband? She goes, no, I just duck and God whaps him over the head when he needs correction. So that's the standing under. And third, wives will wind up someplace. When they do it the Lord's way and for the Lord's glory, wives will wind up seeing God-intended orderliness in their marriages, where one person leads and the other follows. You know, I don't ballroom dance, but I appreciate those people who know how to. There's an order in ballroom dancing. One of the dancers... Uh, skillfully leads the other. One follows another's lead. There are not two ballroom dancers seeking to lead in the ballroom dance simultaneously. It, it doesn't work out. And in verses 23 and 24, we get God's order and plan for marriage. What we can wind up with as we do things the Lord's way. Remember, next Sunday, we're going to look at the maker's way for husbands. Because God is equally specific with husbands as to how we are to love our wives and to sacrifice for them. Verses 23 and 24, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. So the husband is the head of the wife just like Christ is the head of the church. So we need to explain that. What is this concept of being the head of? What does that mean? Well, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 helps us. Same Greek 
uh, words are used in this particular verse of 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of, there it is, Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. So there's a functional order, not only within marriage that God dictates and plans for, but supremely there's a functional order in the Godhead. The triune God has a functional order to the Trinity. And this verse tells us that Christ is the head of every man, that is mankind, all males and females. The man is the head of a woman, and God the Father is the head of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 11.3, we see a functional order that goes Father, Christ, man, woman, a functionality, not a ranking of who's the most important to the one that's least important, not at all. This is, a, this is a ordering of functionality, and it's an ordering of accountability. Now, we need to watch this. Since God the Father is head over Christ, God the Father is head over Christ, and since Christ is equal to and not inferior to God the Father, therefore, whatever headship is, it cannot mean superiority. Can I say that again? Since God the Father is the head over Christ, and since Christ is equal to and not inferior to the Father, therefore headship cannot mean superiority. Rather, to be head over someone means to be responsible to direct someone. To be head over someone means to be responsible to direct someone. This understanding means that to be head over uh, makes 1 Corinthians 11.3 more plain, I think. Let me give you 1 Corinthians 11.3 with this understanding. But I want you to understand that Christ is responsible to direct every man, and the man is responsible to direct a woman, and God the Father is responsible to direct Christ. This is what headship is. This is, headship is not superior to inferior. It's functionality, it's order, it's accountability, and so on. The Ford Motor Company years ago has said that quality was job one. Job one is quality. For marriage, the maker's way, uh, for born-again wives, a willing, loving obedience is God's way. And, as I've stated in this message, that kind of standing under, that kind of hupotassing, that kind of being subject to, that kind of respecting, especially if a husband isn't particularly respectable, is a Holy Spirit-sized job. The only way that will happen is if a Christian wife makes it her practice to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit from the moment she awakens and then every moment till she falls to sleep that night. Next week, we're going to see what God expects of husbands, that from the moment we awaken and then every moment that adds up to when we fall to sleep that day, we too must be controlled by the Holy Spirit to have marriage the maker's way. Oh, Lord, we thank and praise you for your will and your way is found in your word.
And we thank you for the siren you have given to us this morning. A siren to be wives to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. To respect their husbands. Lord, you've sent out a pullover siren today. A pullover, a submit to, a stand under, a be directed siren. A willingly obey siren. Lord, I know that some precious wives who are in the service today already have pulled themselves over. Thank you for that. And other wives need to pull over where they have not pulled over. Help them. Lord, there are some unmarried Christian women here this morning that need to take some notes and need to commit to pulling over if they get married. Lord, we know that your commands are not burdensome and your commands are purposeful. Your commands are like fences in the pasture to keep beautiful horses uh, free to enjoy the pasture and free from the alarm of getting free and running into dangers. So Lord, we acknowledge that all that you have given us in this passage for today is for the good of wives and husbands and kids and grandkids and all that you've given us in this passage today is for the good of this local church. But supremely, Lord, all that you've given us in this passage is for your own glory. So please receive the glory that you are due. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.